rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. Okay. Hi. How are we doing? Is everything working correctly? Is it working? Is it not working? Can you hear me? Can you not hear me? Am I dreaming? Am I floating? Is that the light? Is that grandma telling me to come into the light? Please, at last. No, it's just me. Welcome. My name is Tara Devlin. Yay. We meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And then we are rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices or anytime on the Progressive Voices app. Thank you, Jim. Right out of the gate with a super chat. Of course, I appreciate it. Beyond belief. That's going to keep us going. That's just the bottom line. It makes the world go round, right? We need money. We need money to keep the show going, too. That's how it goes. We got to pay for the phones. We got to pay for the damn e-cam. We pay for the restream, all of that stuff. You can buy a mug at the RDT Daily Store. Resist. That's Francis Jr. Jr. That's my little kitty. That's our mascot. And what else? Uh, become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. I encourage everybody to go to YouTube, to tell you the truth, because Facebook is on my last nerves. They suck. They dinged us for... They gave us a fake news ding, be, meaning that we 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 aren't... We're, we're being suppressed on the on Facebook and for being fake, fake news. Because we shared a meme that had that said that Twitler said that there were 40,000 people at his rally and they couldn't get in, and of course that the, the fake news won't cover this. But the, the meme that we didn't create, it had attributed that specific quote to a rally date when he didn't say that at that specific rally. He said it at another rally. So that's how they fuck us. Of course, I went over this the other day because I'm pissed, I was pissed off. Because I said it over and over. How many times you got to say it? Check the effing quotes. But okay, moving on. I really, and you know this is true. They, the right wingers create these memes to catch us out there. They do that on purpose. They try to fuck us because they're fascists. And they want to devalue truth. And they're, they're good at, they're good at propaganda. That's all they have. They are fakers, phonies, fascists. They hate democracy, just like they talk about loving America. They love America so much. That's all part of the ruse. They're full of shit. They don't love America. How do you love America as, and you, as you hate everybody in it? As you, as you turn on, as you attack the pillars of democracy, and you attack voting, and you divide people consistently attack p- parts of the country. That's another thing I hate about Republicans. I got to I got to do a montage. I got to find them on like these videos. If any of you guys come across them. But the just the mon- a montage of Republicans attacking specific areas of the country. That is a real bugaboo of mine. I really it's it's proof. It's proof of how much they hate this country. Because Democrats don't do that. They don't go around knocking Kentucky or Kansas and say, oh, these Kansas hicks or whatever the hell. I mean, I say that, but I'm not running for office. 
but you don't see the uh, a Repo- you would never see a Democratic presidential candidate, much less president, attacking areas of the country. Whereas Twitler, of course, attacking places that yeah, he doesn't like because they didn't vote for him or. For specifically, Nancy Pelosi now, of course, he's really, Nancy Pelosi is um, clearly someone, he, he's, it, it, she is so above his pay grade. It's, uh, and he knows it, and they all know it. That's the thing. All Republic, any Democrat, any day of the week is above the, the pay grade of any of these fascist bastards. We know that they're weak, they're tiny little, whiny little bitches. And I just, on, on Twitter's twi- tw- uh, Twitter page, I guess, yeah, he, speaking of propaganda, I, he, he has this propaganda video up on his, on his Twitter feed. I, I'm just going to play it quick. I mean, no, it's annoying. It's very loud, I know. San Francisco is a spectacular, fun city on the central coast of California, about 350 miles from L.A. Okay, and for those on the podcast listening, there's, while this VO describing San Francisco, there's homeless people, tent cities, people using drugs, you know, shit like that. It's bursting with a youthful energy that will guarantee you have an amazing... Someone smoking crack. ...an unforgettable adventure. Some some random crazy dude on a subway, so a bunch of garbage in the street. I, this this is right out of a, the Nazi propaganda playbook. You could make a video like this about any city. You could make a video like this about fucking Mar-a-Lago. Let's get the bedbugs. Let's make let's make a propaganda video about how. How mu- how infested with bed bugs Mar-a-Lago is. All of these shitty at Mar-a-Lago. What the fuck, Mar-a-Lago? That's what you call your plate. Your because he's so he hey, he he's so elite. You see, oh, it's a uh, so fancy Mar-a-Lago. Get the fuck out of here. It's like it's swamp. It's a swamp. They should just just call it the spy pit, Mar-a-Lago. Look at Trump. Oh, it gilded. There's nothing less gilded about this uh, Mar-a-Lago. Disgusting. Is San Francisco's finest shopping region. Oh, someone is robbing people, people fighting, fist fighting in the street. Like, this is San Francisco. It's just a shithole. It's just nothing but of drugs and fist fights everywhere. It's, this is right out of a Nazi's... The Nazi 101, which is, that's why it's so disturbing, frankly, with these filthy fascists. And I wonder, let me look on the, on the site here, on Twitler's Twitter feed, where, let me see, where the fuck is it? Hold on. Thankfully, I got my, my Twitter feed is back, whatever. They, they sent me a letter apologizing. We apologize for the inconvenience. We... Locked your account by mistake for a month? Okay, whatever. So Donald Trump, he pinned this, this tweet at the top of his Twitter page. Crazy Nancy Pelosi should spend more time in her decaying city. 
and less time on the impeachment hoax. Obviously, his but, he's butthurt. His little snowflake is melting. So he puts together a video of, I mean, it's not he. He didn't put, to get, put it together. He pinned it. Dan Scavino. He's one of Twitler's, who is he? Oh, assistant to the president and director of social media at the White House, Dan Scavino. That's how far we have fallen. They are pinning outright propaganda videos on their Twitter page. And if this is the case, the buck stops with him. If San Francisco is such a shithole, then the buck stops with the fucking federal government, you fascist bastards. But no, no, no. Republicans, they, they take no personal responsibility. No, no. They're not the party of personal responsibility at all. The, they only stick to that motto when they're trying to strip kids of a school lunch program. Not when it comes to the shitholes that they help create. If that's the case, if, if San Francisco was so overrun with crime and drugs and, uh, and I, uh, who knows where these videos came from. Somebody on a train. You, you take a picture of some nut job flexing his muscles on a train. Oh, wow. San Francisco Cisco is so a horrible place to live. Then how come the property values are through the roof? Oh, and they're burning a, an Israeli flag? It, it's like the random mishmash of videos of certain people having mental meltdowns. The, uh, let's just continue here. Beautiful parks and gardens. The, a, a, a needle laying in the street. That could be anywhere. A guy flipping out in the street. So if that's the case, why aren't they, why are they stripping people of health care? If it's really such a problem all over where people are randomly going nuts on the subway and having fistfights and, and having meltdowns in the street, then do something about it. Fund mental health programs. Get people the help they fucking need. Stop stripping people of their social safety net. But no, no, you see, that's not the point. Republicans aren't here to fix problems. They're here to create problems because this is a completely manufactured piece of propaganda that would make Joseph Goebbels blush. He would, right now in hell, uh, he's watching this video with with a tear streaking his cheek saying, wow, if only I could have created such, such bullshit and spread it so far and wide. So quickly, using social media. God. I mean, well, I would love to know exactly where all these, vi- these pieces of video came from. The marches in the street, somebody burning an Israeli, an, an Israeli flag. It's, I mean, they don't even have any shame. You see what I'm saying? That they post this. They know, and that's the other thing. They are confident in the stupidity of the idiots who will buy it. Anybody who watches this with any brains knows that this is nothing but propaganda bullshit, and it's an offense. They should be ashamed. They know that the Republicans have no shame, but they should be ashamed for using fascism as a, 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 you know, I mean, they're not just using it. They are fascists. So using fascist tactics, know them by their fruits. 
Here's their fruit right here. Here's an example just how unfit they are to hold leadership positions in a democracy. They're perfect. If you want a fascist dictatorship that filled with tiny white little men crying little snowflake bitches, whining and propping each other up, then they for you. They're, they're your guys. The city invites you to explore hip oh, So there's a fight on the street. Parks and gardens. There's and a needle. A guy yelling, go, go, in the street. Like, that could be anywhere. And there's no end of things to see. Um, this looks like Palestine, by the way. This does not look like San Francisco. There's people marching in the street. I want to show your work, Dan Scavino. Where did these videos come from? This does not look like San Francisco. Burning in his rally flag. Who? I mean, what the fuck? Do they really think we're this stupid? Yes. No, they don't. They know we're not stupid. They, they count on the stupidity of the idiots who vote for them. The, the MAGA morons. The, the morons who are running children over in their cars. With cars, I should say. Not running children in the cars, but using cars to run children over. Like that dumb bitch from Iowa. These are their base. You know, the morons. The tiki torch morons. Dan Scavino? Look at me. I'm a straight white man. I have no shame. Look at me. I can post a propaganda video. I'm covering the ass of a con man who received fewer votes and is unfit to hold a wet t-shirt contest at the Jersey Shore, much less run a modern nation. But we're really good at propaganda. Look at the, look at the lies. Now there's a man standing on a porch screaming. That's a video that the so-called president of the United States felt needed to be pinned to the top of his social media account because Republicans hate America. You see that, guys? Do you understand that? Th that's Exhibit A, a video like that, that they hate this country. They have zero solutions to do anything about anything. They're full of shit. They are nothing but dividers. They're and, and liars. These are the fascists that our, our, four, our, our ancestors stormed the beaches of Normandy to oust from power. That's them. If this, were night, if this was another time, they, they would be the fascists that Henry Wallace warned us about. And in fact, they are the American fascists. They can be spotted by their deliberate perversion of truth and fact. That is a quote from a vice president of the United States warning us about the dangers of American fascism. The de deliberate perversion of truth and fact. Of course, what do you think that was? Random shots of needles and people having meltdowns in the street? And a so-called president, there's, not, there's nothing else going on. So he, he wants to, he posts a propaganda video. This is worthy of any authoritarian. This is right out of North Korea. This shit. 
It reminds me, it, when I saw that, it reminded me of, of Hitler, frankly. He's a fucking Hitler. Of course he is, but he's not as smart. That's what we need to really be afraid of. The next fascist that the Republicans put in power, maybe, maybe this fascist will be a little bit more capable. That's what we have to worry about. He won't, he'll be able to control himself, but he'll, just, he'll be just as big a liar and piece of shit as this fucker. <sighs> God. Unbelievable. I, I wish we would all secede. Just secede. Why don't we secede? California, New York, let's all let's get the fuck out. Anyway. I can't wait till Poppy gets here. Maybe she'll be happy. Er <laughs> than me. But I look at something like that and I'm like this country's going in the tube. It's gone. That's the tubes. Not that we're going down the tubes. That's we're in the tubes. We're sliding. It's like a it's a slip and slide in the tubes right down to the Dante's 15th circle of hell. Where a a, a fascist lying I mean, I don't know. I was going to say dog. What, what a dog? I love dogs. Dogs are amazing. They're not stupid either. Who is texting me? Let me see. Oh, Poppy. Poppy got jokes. She just texted me. Maybe she's listening to the show. She's got some jokes. Good. I could use some jokes at this point. I mean, really. Can't we all? We need jokes. Sometimes you just got to get through and tell some jokes. I'm just losing my mind over here. And, all right, well, the other thing I wanted, what, what was I going to say? I'm thinking my, my biggest fear right now, and we talk about this all the time. This is probably why, I don't know, I lost a couple of patrons. Maybe because they don't like, they, they're, they're moderates. Who knows? They're, I guess if you're a moderate, well, you're not really a fan of this show. A moderate? What's a moderate? Moderate is some is a Democrat that is timid, is afraid, afraid to wrap their minds around the true progress we need. Well, I mean, what is what is too far left? We know what it is when you're when you're in a country where the majority are living paycheck to paycheck. There's the, the, a moderate solution to that? What's the moderate solution to living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck? Oh, you can live uh, bi-monthly to bi-monthly? I don't know. All I know is that when you don't have a functioning d- democracy, when you don't have a functioning, what do you call it, working class, when you don't have an economically vibrant working class, you have no democracy. That's it. It's done. And you, that's where you can have a twiddler. Only into that economic insecurity can a twiddler's moronic asshole promising the moon and being unable to deliver a pizza, that, that takes hold. The lies, the lies of a twiddler can only 
take hold in a country that doesn't have a functioning working class, an economically vibrant working class. So, like, for instance, if I hear yet again, how many times am I going to hear this shit? What a great economy this is from Democrats. It's not just the Republicans saying this shit. They're, they all over the corporate media constantly. How What a great economy. The economy's doing well. The stock market is not the economy. How many, what is, how many, what's the percentage? What percentage? If, if the stock market were the economy, why would we be fighting for living wages? Why would it be that 40% of the American people can't handle a $400 emergency? If it was the stock market dictated the health of an economy, why is it that, that Amazon pays zero taxes and one-third of the American people can't retire? I mean, and if it were that making corporations pay zero taxes, if that translated into such a booming economy for all, we'd all be for it. That's, that's the thing. We're normal. We're not ideologues. I'm not that, it's not like a Republican who, when you, when you talk to them, it's everything is a tax cut or a deregulation. Well, they're deregulating us into eating uh, the, the pig, pig feces and toenails, which is exactly what happened. They have the Republicans deregulating the FDA now that 90%, oh, it was actually 92% of the food supply is tainted with, uh, with the sex organs of pigs and um, toenails and feces. We went over this the other day. So yum, yum, eat them up. But that's, I mean, when you're, when you're living in, a, in the United States of serfs and lords, all you, that's all you deserve are pig toenails and you know what I mean? And feces. So what's a little feces? Literally and figuratively eating shit that they shovel. Don't, don't question. You're not supposed to question. They have absolutely zero respect for the American people. If they had any respect or if they feared the American people, they wouldn't be making it so 90% of the American people who eat, who eat pork or will be eating well will you will be eating feces now you understand that that's not a th- i'm not just saying that because i don't eat meat and it's they're bringing those deregulations to the beef industry so it's coming to everyone and you eat meat right now it's, it's primarily concentrated in the pork industry they're going to you're you're eating feces toenails sex organs of of pigs because they have reduced the amount of FDA inspectors on the on the processing line, meaning the murder line, to from seven to zero. Zero. Okay? You know, USA, USA. Let's see, one percent of people have money in the stock market. Let's see. Hmm. 
Ah, la, la. Dow Jones Industrial Average has risen by 32% since Trump took office, but are Americans overall, overall benefiting? U.S. Rep. Kohana of California suggests that they are not in a Facebook post. Kohana's post featured the headlines, Most Americans Don't Own Stocks. He repeated that point in his message with the, the accompanied bar graph. Fact, most Americans don't own stocks. Instead of celebrating whenever the Dow Jones goes up, we need to focus on bringing investment and good jobs to the areas of the countries that, have been, that haven't been part of economic recovery. Yes, of course. The accompanying the accompany graph details the distribution of stock ownership by wealth percentile. Specifically, 84% for the top 10% and 9.3% for the next 10% and 6.7% for the bottom 80%. The data on the graph stems from a peer-reviewed academic paper. However, when we took a closer look, this is PolitiFact, we found the data on the graph doesn't directly support the claim that most Americans don't own stock. In fact, the actual data on that question shows a small majority of Americans do have stock, have stake in the stock market. The data on the graph comes from a paper, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. One of the paper's findings is that despite the fact that almost half of all households own stock shares either directly or indirectly through mutual funds, the richest 10% of household controls 80, 84% of the total value of stocks. So it still means 84% have, the, it's the richest 10% own, control 84% of stocks. But more, but more Americans that were then were in this graph that was shared actually have stocks. Well, that's the whole point. That was the whole point of Reagan and the Republicans undoing and reversing the guaranteed pension programs that Americans had come to know during the time of in history called the break, the great prosperity where you would retire and receive a set amount until the day you died. They changed this whole thing from pensions to 401ks because they want you to have a stake or so-called stake in the stock market. So you, you think that you're, you're doing great, that the fact is when you retire, though, you may outlive your whatever you've, you've set aside. And the fact is most Americans, as, as everything that... Republicans do. Everything Republicans touch, is they destroy. So they, the 401k generation, the first 401k generation is retiring. They, it's now. And it's not pretty. They, they don't have nearly enough to last to the end of their lives. Most people can't retire. As we know, one, not most, one-third of the American people cannot retire. That's not a successful economy, and I'm sick of hearing it, frankly, from, from all sides of the aisle. And I'm also sick of hearing about too far left. So when you're in an economy that only works for the top 1%, what, what, do you, what is too far left? And I agree with Michael Moore. 
Now, the reason I called this show, uh, uh, I don't know, what I called it, something about moderates, we're having a problem with moderates. That's not, moderates are not going to win. Was anybody paying attention in 2016? Now, we keep hearing from the moderates, like Amy Klobuchar, like every, anyone and everybody on the corporate media, how much we need moderates, like Michael Bloomberg, that, because the American people, they just don't want to go too far left. That's, that is bullshit. What the American people need is a fighter, and that's what they want. We need to get out the base. This and every election is a base election, especially the presidential election. We're not going to win wooing Republicans. They will vote for the fucking Republican. They're going to vote for Twitler. If they had a choice between Joe Biden and Twitler, they're going to vote for Twitler. There is no doubt in my mind. And I captured this video. I, I wonder what's going to happen. I'm, I'm a little gun shy now from playing videos because I played that video last time and I got cut off. Thankfully, it was at the end of the show. I was playing a video of cute little kittens and ducklings being raised by a mother cat. And I got cut off for, for violating YouTube policies. I don't know. I thought I could play it. I gave it, I gave it a credit, and I guess it just went on too long. But here's a, here's Michael Moore on Democracy Now, and I, I want to play this because I agree a hundred percent. President Trump was impeached, and reading the numbers, the vote two thirty, two twenty nine. Um, he was speaking in your home state of Michigan. He was speaking in Battle Creek. With today's illegal, unconstitutional. Oh, well, I have to forward through that. <laughs> Today's illegal, unconstitutional impeachment. It's like every word that any... What, how many adjectives we got? Illegal, unconstitutional, uh, disgraceful. Let's see. Adjectives for illegal. Uh, that's uh, what you got to do, I guess, when you're Trump's... Uh, or synonyms, not adjectives. That's what I'm looking for. Synonyms. Synonyms. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, for lawless, illegal, insubordinate, insurgent, mutinous, nihilistic, and non-competent, non-conformant, revolutionary, riotous, savages, savage, <laughs> seditious, impeachment. I mean, these. That's what he sounds like. Uncivilized, unculturalized, unorthodox, unpeaceful, unrestrained, untamed, illegal, warlike, wild, contemptuous, cr criminal, despotic, disobedient, disorderly impeachment. Nancy Pelosi's uh, bar barbarous, chaotic, turbulent, unruly, violent, um, anar anarchist. <laughs> anarchist? I'm going to say an anarchist. Bad, contemptuous. Criminal, despotic, disobedient, disordered, disorderly, evil, fierce, infringing, insubordinate impeachment. Uh, it's like, yes, because you can't just let people... This, this is the power of propaganda. You can't let people come to their own conclusions. 
you got to tell them. It's not just an impeachment. It's an uncivilized, uncultured, unorthodox, unpeaceful, unrestrained, untamed, unwarlike, wild, seditious, temptuous, terrorizing, traitorous, tyrannous impeachment. It's crazy. So that's President Trump, impeachment night in your state. But interestingly, you kind of agree with him. You think he would win now? I think if the election were held today, Hillary won by three million popular votes. I believe whoever the Democrat is next year is going to win by four to five million popular votes. So I just want to say this is probably a good show to open the phones because I'd like to hear what everybody thinks about this, too. So when we go into the second hour, that'll be great. People can call in and say, hey, I don't agree with you or I agree or blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? And Poppy will be on the phone, too, with her jokes. There's no question in my mind that people who stayed home, who, who sat on the bench, they're, they're going to pour out in California, New York, and, you know, the, but, but That's also right. in Texas and whatever. I mean, places that Trump will probably win, but yet there's going to be a much higher percentage of people voting against him. The, the problem is, is that he will, if the vote were today, I believe he would win the electoral states that he would need. Because living out there, I will tell you, his level of support has not gone down one inch. Hmm. That's it. I'm just going to do that for a second because I'm afraid that they're going to cut me off. That's the truth. They, they're they more motivated than ever. The Trump base is more motivated than ever to come out and vote for Twitler, to, to, to stick it to the libs, to, to get those liberal tears they love drinking. You know, because they're such, they, well, well, in between crying during their, their confirmation hearings, like that judge, Van Dyke, you know, they like, they like our tears. They don't want to, their tears, they, they are, they feel they're entitled to their tears. The whiny little bitching tears of a white, privileged, racist, misogynist, homophobic, suck up sycophant to a Putin puppet traitor, they're entitled to the tears that happen when they're confronted with their own words, caught in the act of being themselves, uh, racist, homophobic, white privileged sycophant, kiss up, kick down sycophant. I mean, that's the, the Van Dyke judge, that guy, they, his 60 of his fellow, of his colleagues, they all gave testimony, they, they wrote letters saying that he was unfit because he was a kiss-up, kick-down, entitled, arrogant asshole who hated minorities, who, and they, they couldn't trust him to be fair and, and, par, and impartial on the bench. Be, and it, also, he never tried a case. That was another one of these, these assholes. The who has they it was rated unqualified by the the uh, American Bar Association, but according to Twitler and the right wing, the the ABA because it's putting the, it's giving these ratings of all these Trump judges who are unqualified. They're not qualified to they they've they've never tried cases like Judge fucking Kavanaugh. Like the crying little rapist of, you know, um, with squee and poopy or whatever, lifting weights and drinking beer. Could you imagine going to your a job interview and going, 
yeah, I like beer. So what? And crying and banging the table and, and attacking your interviewers. Yeah, how do you like? You like beer? What about you? Huh? You like beer? I like beer. So what? And then crying, talking about your children. Like, oh, we prayed. We prayed for her. I, I have no doubt that something didn't happen to her. That's the most insulting thing of all. I, like Susan Collins, I have no doubt. Well, well let's get into the Susan Collins mode. I have no, she's like, uh, who did you, she's like Catherine Hepburn, right? I have no doubt that somebody didn't assault her. Like, fuck you, bitch. Because, you know, women, when we're sexually assaulted, we just, we don't know what we were doing. It's everything, it's just a blind blur. We, it wouldn't stick in our minds for the rest of our lives and know who was uh, inflicting themselves upon us. We, that's just women. It's a woman's way that we just don't know what the fuck we're talking about, right? I have no doubt that something happened to her. How dare you? How dare you, Susan Collins? I hope they all get, I mean, whoever, if you're in Susan Collins' state, please get rid of her. She has done enough damage to last our, for, for the next, how many generations in the future, putting that, that sexual predator on the bench. But anyway, the point is, these crying white bastards, you know, they're all, uh, what was I saying? They're, I mean, I went off on a tangent there. Let's just resume the last video. In fact, <laughs> I'd say it's even more rabid. Uh, than it was before because they're afraid now they're afraid he could lose because they watched his behavior so they are they are they are voracious in their appetite for donald trump that's that's the bad that's right oh yes now i remember we were talking about tears liberal tears <laughs> then it was kavanaugh's tears no it's we're not you would never have a liberal a normal person going up in front of congress and have it in the midst of a job interview for a lifetime position in the in government that, that you would that you would never have a liberal who would sit there and start crying and saying I like beer okay but but we're the ones oh we we're, we're the criers we're the crybabies to them but anyway Michael Moore is 100% correct that if we put a a moderate in there, somebody who ha, who had there's no enthusiasm, uh, someone who's Republican light, like like Harry Truman said, if you put a Republican and a Democrat who acts like a Republican, the Republicans will pick the genuine article every time. They don't care. It doesn't matter when they get into the voting booth. They're not going to be like, hmm, um. You know, uh, I I've always voted Republican, but I really can't stand the tweeting. They're they're, they're going to put that aside as they did before, and they're going to reelect Twitler. They're going to be like, oh well, they keep telling me what a great economy it is. He's doing great. All I keep seeing is how great he is, because all they do is consume this right wing media, and it's all going to go by the wayside, and they're going to vote for Twitler. And, uh, and Michael Moore is 100% correct. 
the good news is, again, number one, never forget there's more of us than there are of them. The majority of the American people agree with us. 70% of the voters next year are women, people of color, and young adults. Okay? All that on our side. That's right. So what we have to do is we have to make sure we don't give them another Hillary Clinton to vote for. I know. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry to agree with that. I voted for Hillary Clinton and would again, of course. But this, the, can we read the signs finally? It, it's still a change election. People are sick of it. They're sick of the insiders. They're sick of the wine caves. They're sick of billionaires. And it doesn't matter. They think that Twitler is somebody who stands up to these assholes. He doesn't. We know that because we're not morons. But, of course, you have the added racism. You have the added help from anti-democratic foreign dictators infesting social media with lies and the enabling of, of social media platforms like Facebook allowing the, the lies, allowing Twitler to just get away with the lies. So how are you going to counter that? Of course, you need somebody who's going to fight. Somebody like Bernie Sanders, who has a long history of fighting on the right side of history. Fighting, and you're not going to go back and say, well, why did you vote for the bankruptcy bill? Oh, so, oh, so they'll go back and they'll say, well, he voted for the, that, um, the gun, something with the guns, right? We went over this once before. But this was like a vote in 1994. He voted against the Brady bill. That's not going to be a bar uh, to, to his candidacy. That's not going to stop people from voting for him especially Republicans or so-called moderates, that's actually a feature. They'll, they'll like that about him. He can build bridges between the Second Amendment gun nuts and the normal people. But, I mean, from a vote from 1994, they, they know that, that Bernie is not somebody who can be bought because he's not bought. He hasn't been bought. Like Pete Buttigieg says that he doesn't want he's he's going to the wine caves because he doesn't want to fight Twitler with one arm tied behind his back. Well, um, why would you have to fight him with one arm tied? What does that? Why does that mean going to beg billionaires for a trickle in a wine cave when Bernie has showed you that you don't need the corporations or big money? Uh, buying into your campaign. You don't need that. Go to the people. Bernie hasn't taken a single dollar in super PAC money. He is a completely people-funded candidate. So I don't, I don't see how that's fighting with one hand tied behind your back. In fact, that's uh, rather empowering. But the fact is, Buttigieg can't do that. He's not able to build that kind of coalition. He's not, what is he getting? He's getting like 0% of the African-American vote. They say, they always talk about how Bernie has such problems with African-Americans. But, um, I don't know. But while they prop up Pete fucking Buttigieg. Oh, brothers and sisters. Let me see. The, the Democrats who are encouraging moderation go to the center. You know, let's not upset the the angry white guys. That's really what it is. You know, they, the, the voter they're trying to convince, that's why we got to have Biden. You know, we, we, we've, got, we've got to have Klobuchar. We've got to have somebody that is 
somewhere there, wherever that middle is now. There's really nobody in that middle, by the way. Even the Fox News poll last week showed that 54% supported impeachment and conviction, and 40-some percent didn't. And then they asked the question, how many of you would support impeachment, but no, no removal? Was it four percent, five percent? I mean, it was like there's nobody, there's nobody in that trying to have it both ways. So, so it is polarized, but for a good reason. I'm, I'm polarization is always talked about like it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I think, I, I think if you think women should have the right to vote, I don't think there's a middle position on that. You either believe that women should vote That's or women right. shouldn't we, vote. No, you either believe that a fertilized egg is a human being or not. There's no middle ground there. And, and so our side has got to take this by the reins, and it's got to have the courage of our convictions to, to, to fight this. And if we do this, then he won't win the electoral states. Remember, Hillary only lost Michigan by two votes per precinct. That's it. And it's not because Lunch Bucket Joe stayed home, mm -hmm. you know, or voted for Trump. It's, it's because the, the, when they talk about the working class, Amy, I just, this just drives me crazy. Oh, you know, Trump won all these working class votes in Michigan and Pennsylvania. No. What happened was is that the Democratic Party didn't stand up uh, in the way that they should have for what the youth wanted, for what people of color needed. And, and the, the, there were 90,000 people in Michigan, almost 90,000, who went to the polls, mostly Democrats, and very large numbers of them in Detroit, Flint, Pontiac, Saginaw. These are all black cities, majority black. They stood in line in the cold for two to three hours to vote. They went in there and they voted for state rep, state senate, county commission. We don't have dog catcher. Uh, we have drain commissioner, the person in charge of the sewage. That's the lowest uh, name on the ballot. Um, they stood there. They voted for the Democrats all down ballot and left the top box blank. 90,000. She only lost Michigan by 10, 11,000 votes. 90,000 wanted to send a message to the Democratic Party. You forgot us a long time ago out here. Yeah. And well, anyway, that's my that's my nightmare. I see that happening again. I don't know. Maybe you guys are you you differ you think no no only joe biden can win or ab klobuchar we need to get these republicans i i don't see that i don't see that happening yes i'm for bernie i've been for bernie a long time but if it's not just i i don't know if bernie wasn't in the race i guess i would say elizabeth warren somebody with a more progressive agenda or or someone who would fight for a progressive the progressive policies that we need so, yes, I'm looking at the chat. It was Bernie voted against the Sandy Hook. Sanders was hit hard for his position on guns in 2016. He's, this is from Vox. He's trying to avoid that in 2020. Let's see. Guns were rarely vulnerable on the left for Sanders in the 2016 campaign, a weakness Sanders is now trying to avoid. Um, la, la, la. I'm just trying to figure out what, what it, exactly it was. After the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting, he largely supported the typical Democratic agenda on the issue to expand background checks, reinstate the assault weapons ban, and to prohibit high-capacity ammo magazines, among other proposals. But even then, he raised doubts about the measure's effectiveness. He told Vermont's seven days in 2013. If you pass the strongest gun control legislation tomorrow, I don't think it will have a profound effect on the tragedies we've seen. 
extending to his presidential bid, Sanders kept his moderate message on guns. He defended his record on an interview with Jake Tapper, arguing that he was trying to bridge the cultural divide. To people in my state... I think it's pre- I think pretty clearly that guns in Vermont are not the same thing as guns in Chicago or Los Angeles. In our state, guns are used for hunting. In Chicago, they're used by kids in gangs killing other kids or people shooting at police officers. We need a sensible debate on gun control. What a- what overcomes the cultural divide that exists in our country? And I think I can play an important role in this. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not whatever defending. His guns, I understand where he's coming from, but I'm not, you know, it's not a no, it's not a, uh, it's not a deal breaker for me, honestly. So I think there's too many, he's right on too many other issues than to be completely, we're we're supposed to, we're supposed to give somebody like Joe Biden a a long latitude for all of his anti-progressive votes that have really harmed this country, like putting Clarence Thomas on the bench. Like being, he, he could have stopped that. He would, however, he ran that trial with Anita Hill, for Anita Hill. He, he limited the amount of, of people coming forward. He didn't allow the other accusers of Clarence Thomas to submit their testimony, things like that, to corroborate the story the, of uh, the cor- of correctly what Anita Hill had gone through, other things, bankruptcy bill, his uh, um, eliminating the ability for students to declare bankruptcy on their on their student loans. While we have a, I mean, don't you think maybe that would be something now where kids are coming out of college with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, and if kids were able, if young people, not kids, not, not necessarily kids, or younger people, or even people who go to college older, because they're trying, you know, they want to get out of uh, driving an Uber uh, 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 on their days off. They, uh, they're trying to better themselves, whatever, they go to college, they go to, a, they go to um, you know, trade school, whatever it may be. But you come out, you're, you owe the banks, you're an indentured servant to the banks. If the American people could declare bankruptcy on their student loans, that would be leverage against these goddamn banksters. That would be something that might limit, might bring down the price of, of college, but whatever. I'm for public financing of college, of higher education, like every other country. But we live in the, the United States of serfs and lords. So the serfs are all timid. We're afraid. We, we don't want to bother our betters. We don't want to pester them because they might take away the little bit that we have, the little rope that we're hanging on by. They might pull that up, and they will. So they're not afraid of us. How do you think they get away with paying zero taxes? They get away with it because they don't care. How do you think the, the Congress gets away with not doing anything that the, that the working class wants, that the wants and needs of working people have a statistically insignificant effect on government policy? That's because they're not afraid of the American people. They don't care. 
They understand who they truly work for, and it's not us. Sure, they don't like when they go to restaurants and they get harassed. That's, about, that's as good as we got. That's, as, that's the best we can do. That's why they're not, but that, that's not changing their policy. They're, but there's something to be said for public shaming. This is all, this all will go towards uh, pushing us where we need to go. We have to be proactive. We have to understand and dig our heels in and know that we are on the right side of history. We have the proper policies that will save this country from oligarchy. So that's really the truth. I don't know. Maybe you don't agree. I don't know. I don't know. Some people are like, it's very easy to talk people out of it, though. That's the thing. They keep hearing things like, oh, I don't want to pay for rich kids to go to college, or um, we don't want to go too far left. They hear this shit constantly, again and again and again. And that sticks in their minds. People who aren't, they're, they're too busy driving their Ubers and working their normal job, and then they got to go drive an Uber or go run DoorDash to make ends meet. And they're not paying attention, but they hear, oh, it's such a great economy. It's such a great economy. Twitler is doing great. He's, uh, he's creating this amazing economy. So we don't want to go too far left, and people don't want to lose their, their health care. They don't want to lose their private insurance that they love so much. So, of course, they believe that. And the fact is, we need to counter it. It's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. It's not an effective strategy um, to, to give credence to Republican talking points. When you argue, when the Democratic Party, when Democratic candidates for president are arguing using Republican talking points, we need to be very afraid. How much more do they want? Because that's what it comes down to. This is about saving democracy, saving the grand experiment in liberal democracy. How much more do they want? How much can they, how much, how much is it? What, what's enough for them? They already pay zero. They get subsidies on top of it. What, what's it going to take for us to get a little piece of the, of the civilization that our work makes possible. We make it work. We're the ones, you know, in the Amazon. We drive the trucks. We're the ones packing the boxes. We're the ones. We're the ones teaching students to read so they know their fucking labels and they know where to send the, the boxes in two days or less. We all make the world go round. The working class. Not the other way around. And a billionaire, um, you know, they, it's, uh, we never, we don't have a, let's say, what am I trying to say? We don't have a weekend. We don't have things like an eight-hour workday, living wages. We don't even have that. But, you know what I'm saying? Any, any, any uh, progress we've made as a working class, it's not because a billionaire felt like trickling it upon us. And we're getting assaulted on all, from all sides, from the left, so-called, and, the, and, of course, from the right, which is now the fascist party. We get, and then we have the Republican Party, which is the DLC Democrats now. They're the Republican Party. 
Of, of course they are. When you're arguing, when you're making your case for Republican policies using Republican talking points, you're the Republican Party. I'm sorry. You're the, I mean, that's why when they're like, don't want to go too far left, what are they saying? You have to protect the money train. We, it's all about them. They got, they got theirs, Jack. They want to keep it going. And Joe Biden, frankly, if he's the nominee, he, they are going to wipe the floor with him. There is no doubt. He's, I mean, okay, he had a decent debate. He didn't look like a complete bumbling idiot. He didn't talk about whatever, uh, corn pop or whatever. But he, he has many vulnerabilities that will make him unpalatable. And he won't turn out the base. And you got to think about if Bernie Sanders can be in the number two position after these many months and still have the record of an, of the most individual contributions and still be in number two position after the, uh, on top of the incessant hitting him constantly. Oh, his socialism, he's unelectable. He's had a heart attack, heart attack, heart attack, constantly. On top, you know what I'm saying? On top of all of the negativity, and he's still in the second, in second place and rising, then we got to look at that. Imagine if, it, if the shoe was on the other foot, if the corporate media, if, if we really had a liberal media that promoted the progressive policies because he's not talking about anything out of the ordinary. He's talking about the FDR Democratic Party that won elections, that built the middle class, that won four landslide elections on things like the living wages, CCC, government putting people to work, 90% top marginal tax rates, 35% unionization, things like that. That's not too far left. That's American. That's a, as American as apple pie. So let's move on. I got enough. We, we, we got enough shit to talk about. The, what was the other thing I wanted to talk about? Here it is. Well, of course, I wanted to go off on, uh, on the, the Democrats, as we always do. But I think that's, that's important. And I do think it's important. How else do you move the country where it needs to go? unless you do some constructive criticism. It's not about circular firing squad. It's about getting, pushing us where we need to go. If we just say add a boy to every person that has a D after their name, then we'll never, nothing will change. We will continue to slide into oligarchy. And I don't know, I keep saying sliding into oligarchy, but... I, it sure feels like we're already there. So it's not about, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's wishful thinking. Uh, we don't want to, pre, we don't want to believe that we're, it's beyond repair, that we have crossed that Rubicon, that, you know, uh, it's, it's too late. Is it too late? I don't think it's far too late because they haven't, destroyed everything yet we still have some mechanisms of democracy they're they're even though they're they're attacking it you know what i mean they are 
they're trying to destroy the free press. That's that is part of it, and they're they've also because they have monetized the the corporate media. I mean, that's all it is. It's nothing but another money making scheme for the rich and a way for them to keep in power. What's the difference between corporate media and the media in Russia that 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 does nothing but prop up the ruling elite? When you have a media that all it does is it's tell you that you gotta go too you can't go too far left. You can't have the very policies that we need to fix the the broken system when you have that kind of media harping on it and even the so-called what is it uh pbs public broadcasting owned by the Koch brothers that has that kills stories that are um critical of the oligarchy this what is the difference that's not a free press what's the difference between that and pravda or whatever, whatever the, the Russian uh, equivalent. Anyway, all I say is, um, <clears throat> if, like, for instance, Pete Buttigieg, he, we talked about him the other day. He's, he's, uh, he's on my last nerve. And there's an article from The Atlantic. Why is the young left out to get Pete Buttigieg? Here are four theories. One... And this is by Derek Thompson. He can't get, he's not um, appealing to young people. He, he has a lot of old people like him. I guess they feel that they're progressive because they're supporting someone who's gay. But he's, a, he's an acceptable, he's the acceptable gay. And uh, not to mention, you know, he's whatever. I don't want to get into it. He, went, he was in the closet until 2015. That's fine. Everybody has their process. But you can't tout your yourself as this this gay uh cutting edge gay candidate when you're when you were not running as a gay candidate okay but that's he's doing that anyway which really irritates me instead of saying yeah i was in the closet i i ran as someone in the closet because i was i was afraid tell your story speak your truth you get more respect for just being yourself than trying to own have some some progressive cred that you didn't earn or liberal cred or any cred just having some courage just putting on a uniform is not um you know and shooting at someone in the latest war of corporate aggression doesn't mean that's that's not courage so being there's all kinds of courage it's not just the ones that the right wing find acceptable like coming out, like living an authentic life in an environment that you might be taking a risk for your political career. That would be courage, being who you are in Mike Pence's Indiana. But as uh, Derek Thompson in The Atlantic writes, young progressives on the internet don't seem to like Pete Buttigieg very much. They've called him the most obnoxious kind of millennial, a boomer wrapped up in millennials' clothing, a Build-A-Bear for middling Democrats, and a candidate seemingly dreamed up by some Democratic National Committee algorithm. It's the fucking truth. 
He's the illusion of progress, just simply because he's gay. A baggie full of uncut special interest talking points, absolutely, and a grab bag of gifted and talented party, wait, wait, a grab bag of gifted and talented party tricks. Buttigieg is a young person's idea of an old person, and evidently some sort of bag. On the left, wait, the online left is not the electorate, and its views don't represent a generation of voters. But youthful distaste for Buttigieg isn't an internet illusion. In a recent Quinniac poll, Buttigieg placed a second in the Democratic field among voters over 50, but he earned just 2% support among voters under 35. Maybe the, maybe the voters under 35 are sick and tired of being uh, of the uh, the trickle down, kiss up, kick down, wine cave kind of politics. They they're the ones that have to live in, in the aftermath of Reaganomics. They never had, they never saw the great prosperity. That was that's just a, a, a tale. They had to put up with their grandparents talking about the great prosperity as if it was their birthright, as if the, they earned it. By, you know, they just worked really hard when it was government policy that made the great prosperity possible. So they could see their grandparents they get to retire when the millennials, they, they're coming out of college with all this debt. They can't get established. So maybe they're tired of listening to bullshit and they, they're tired of, of the scaremongering about socialism. When they can look right on the internet, they, they, they WhatsApp chat with people all over the world, and they say, oh, gee, I get to go to a goddamn doctor when I'm sick. Not, you know, I get to come out of college without hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I don't have to drive an Uber at night on the weekends or run DoorDash. So, let's see. Buttigieg hate is slightly concentrated among the young. This level of vitriol is confusing for several reasons. Buttigieg, 37, would be the youngest elected president in American history. Which irritates me, frankly. Because he's he's like... It almost makes me feel, I don't know, honestly, that he joined the military because he knew it would be good for his political career not because he had some overwhelming desire to serve. It was sort of like a calculated, I don't know, that's my impression, my gut. Nobody ought to, fo- no, nobody ought to vote for Buttigieg or anybody for that matter just because they, wait, damn it, Tara Jr., he stepped on the, stepped on the keyboard and it scrolled down. Just because they share a birth date. But one might think that historic youthfulness would be enough to buy him at least, say, three whole percentage points of the national youth vote. What's more, Buttigieg receives the sort of scrutiny one might expect from a frontrunner, despite being way behind in the national polls. That's another thing that pisses me off. It's his white male privilege. If, that, if he was a woman... You think that the corporate media would be propping him up? Of course not. They only prop him up because he's the illusion of change and progress. He's not real progress. He's the wrappings, the trappings of progress. 
while peddling Republican policies that will keep the kiss-up, kick-down economy intact. So Joe Biden represents the far greater threat to the, the young left's favorite candidate, Bernie Sanders, but Biden seems to avoid much of the highly personal animosity heaped on his co-runner in the competitive lane of B surnamed moderates. Whatever. He's trying to be clever. Buttigieg, Biden, you know what I mean? What's going on here? Let's begin with the most straightforward explanation. Don't overthink it. They hate him because he's not a socialist and his early state polling numbers are rising. This is the obvious answer, and frankly, it might be the only answer. In the past two months, no candidate has gained more than Pete Buttigieg in early states. If he wins in Iowa and in New New Hampshire, he could block Bernie Sanders' path to the nomination. And this deeply concerns young progressive activists who see who rightly see the Democratic primary as a zero-sum competition to lead the party in a winnable election that has the potential to redefine the Democratic platform for a decade or longer. Buttigieg, far more than Biden, has the youth and vigor to command the party for the next generation, and this makes him a graver threat for those arguing for a socialist revolution. That's true, I guess, but... Keep not, oh, this is number two, keep not overthinking it. They also hate him because they think he's a liar. There's no question that Buttigieg, glimpsing an opening in the moderate lane, has tacked toward the center in the past few months. He initially seemed to support Medicare for All, and now he openly criticizes it. Uh, and criticizes the effect it would have on private insurance employment. I mean, fuck that shit. That's, that's really what he said. What... We wouldn't want the unforeseen consequences. Wait, hold on. There's something in my eye. Medicare for all. Um, we wouldn't want the unforeseen consequences of losing jobs in the insurance industry. Which is like sort of like saying if we outlaw execution, then all those executioners might um, they might lose their jobs. It's so ridiculous. He initially proposed radical government reforms such as packing the Supreme Court and removing the filibuster, but now he's recast himself, himself as a moderate unifier. As a result, the left sees him not just as any moderate, but as a moderate masquerading as a wonder kind, grassroots progressive. That's what's so sickening, too. His changing policies, whatever the way the wind blows, not what's right, not what we need, but what he thinks is going to hook people in. How he's going to get some votes here or there. It's, it's just as, as cynical, as disingenuous as John McCain picking Sarah Palin as a running mate. If the, the truth is the truth. What's right is right. If that's what you believe, that's what you believe. If you, that's what if you believe for Medicare for all who want it, then the, then you should have believed it from from day one, not until you got your poll numbers back or whatever. Or you're trying to carve a moderate lane for yourself, more moderate. The, I mean, this whole this whole 
strategy of thinking that there that's what that's what the democratic party is missing a bunch of moderates it's not moderate enough that's what the american people really are longing for in the least upwardly mobile country, in a country where one-third can't retire, we're all just longing for moderation, which is bullshit. We're longing for change, real change. That's why, that's why Obama, when he ran on change we can believe in, we all projected our own uh, wants and needs onto change we can believe in. But what does that actually mean? Nothing. It means nothing. But we really, that, but that's what the Democratic Party has been promising, change we can believe in. And that's not it. It's not um, uh, Medicare for all who want it. Give me a break. How about... We have a system, we, we build a system that works, that actually works. This, the for-profit insurance racket is a racket, and it, w- it was built by accident, and we can do better than that. My God. Let's see. Young people hate him because he's a traitor to his generation, Generational identity is arguably the most important dividing line in the Democratic Party, more than class, race, or education. As I've written, the young left has become a kind of third party awkwardly domiciled within the Democratic Party. Buttigieg, however, is a traitor to his generation. He is a 30-something millennial who appeals mostly to middle-aged and white, older white voters. In this way, his candidacy violates a certain unwritten law of U.S. electoral politics. American voters have historically appreciated candidates who, from socioeconomic perspective, identified down. Franklin D. Roosevelt was a traitor to the upper class. Trump is the real estate billionaire who speaks for coal miners. Bernie Sanders is the septuagenarian senator who rallies the young left. But there's not a deep history of successful candidates who appeared to identify up like young like a young non-millionaire small town mayor who aligns himself with the cosmopolitan capital identifying down can be a proxy for authenticity but identifying up invites accusations of inauthenticity of course but by rejecting young progressive activism Buttigieg betrays his generational class identity Let's see, young people project an extreme hostility towards Buttigieg on the internet in part to exercise their own anxieties about success and increase their in-group status. I mean, this is really like something uh, out of a communications master's uh, textbook. I tweeted that the stark age gap of Buttigieg's support suggests that he performs a specific archetype in this race. Your polite, hyper-achieving high school friend who delighted the parents at the Christmas party with his piano rendition of Silent Night, which made your friends roll their eyes so hard that their retinas detached. Older and richer educated liberals look at Buttigieg and see a flattering reflection of their young selves or offspring. Young educated liberals... Look at Buttigieg and see a nauseating, <laughs> a nauseating caricature, 
not of the person that they are or even the person they want to be, but the person they've felt pressured to emulate but never quite became, an outcome they regard with tortured ambivalence. It's really true, really, when you think about it. This is what we were saying during the debate, that he is really a... He is a phony. He's like somebody, they created this candidate in a lab just to irritate the uh, the rest of us, to appeal to old white men and irritate us. Old white men who want to be progressive. Oh, he's gay. Okay, I can handle that. Look at how I've evolved. But other than that, he's talking the same old bullshit. And he's not going to get us anywhere. This is not progress. It's not. It's not progress just to have uh, uh, the first husband when one-third of the American people can't retire and people are on goddamn GoFundMe begging for diabetes medicine. And that's the system that Pete Buttigieg wants to protect, is protecting, because he doesn't want those people that you call that are really in India, in in an India call center... He doesn't want them to lose their jobs when you call to fight them for the for denying your latest claim. He doesn't want them to lose their jobs. Trust me, the insurance companies are doing great. All right. There's no point to go on. So this is my grand unifying theory of loving and loathing Pete Buttigieg. The South Bend, Indiana mayor doesn't offer any kind of new deal, green or otherwise. Rather, he offers one of the oldest deals in politics, generational change without class warfare. This is both why many older Democrats find his candidacy appealing and why many younger Democrats find him intolerable. And, And not young or old Democrats like me. I find him he like com- completely intolerable. He is he he is oh he is repugnant to me, frankly. No offense, whatever, but I I find him repulsive for all of the things that this writer in the Atlantic, Derek Thompson, that he articulated. He gives voice to exactly what in my gut I'm like this guy is a he's a phony and he's a problem he's a he is a he's the he's a Trojan horse of change really let's see this is why both okay uh the chief aim of progressive activism is to transform U.S. political economy not to pass the baton of neoliberal incrementalism between generations. Buttigieg represents a new age of Democrats without representing its politics. This makes his campaign something more than a threat to the revolution. It feels, above all, like a betrayal of his people. That is so true. Exactly. Exactly what we've been saying, too. So, yeah. For real. It's a betrayal. He is exactly what the corporate media loves. They want him. This is why it's South Bend, Indiana's 
candidate Pete Buttigieg. Whenever Mika Brzezinski talks about Pete Buttigieg, you could you don't even have to look at her. Her face, she's beaming. South Bend's mayor, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg. It's it's sickening. The saccharine, disgusting. Here's a, well, we'll play this again. Joining us now from Clear Lake, Iowa, Democratic presidential candidate, Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana. Great to have you on the show again this morning. How's it going? It's a going, son of a bitch. And <laughs> this is the, the video I've played before of Mika asking Pete Buttigieg about Elizabeth Warren's health plan. Good. Good to be with you. It's uh, nice out, a little chilly, but uh, we're having a great time here in Iowa. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's dig right And I want to talk about Elizabeth Warren revealing her plans to pay for her Medicare for All plan. Um, looking at the numbers, some would say this is likely to pass as Mexico paying for the wall. Is there a concern with the Democratic uh, frontrunner, potentially the nominee, putting out ideas that are fanciful in the age of Trump? I do think that... Uh. I've played that before just because it personifies exactly everything that we 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 say it proves exactly what we're what we talk about every week and every weekday special that the corporate media is part of the problem and that's the liberal media right there that's your liberal media sucking up to propping up a a corporate sponsored a billionaire freaking trickling grabbing in a wine cave faux pro progressive candidate and we're in big goddamn trouble Pete Buttigieg who is gonna vote for Pete goddamn Buttigieg a lot of people who are confused in fact I think I was telling you the other day a friend of mine who said oh you know who I like Pete Buttigieg and I had to set him straight. But it's, of course, um, I guess we're easily led. We like, uh, you know, we like the veneer, the trappings of change. Yeah, I'm real progressive. I can vote for a gay guy. Look at me. <sighs> anyway, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the stupid economy. The, 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 here's another thing, because that's another ruse. Every time we turn around, what a great economy. And I came across this, and it comes from, from the right and the left. It's not just the Republicans. but So the best gift Americans got this year, a good economy, from a writer, Megan McArdle, in the Washington Post, that we got a great, you know, this good economy. It's the best gift that Trump gave us. It's been another good holiday season for U.S. companies, according to MasterCard's spending pulse. Yeah, we, the American people are, are in debt up to their friggin' uh, foreheads. It's such a great economy, though. Because we're in hock. And the, who, who, who can friggin' earn a living wage? Corporations pay zero taxes. It's a great economy. If you're rich, yes, it's great. If you got to go on GoFundMe for cancer treatments, it's not that great. 
if you have to spend your days off driving an Uber, it's not that great. If you still can't retire after a lifetime of work, it's not that great. MasterCard spending pulse. Retail sales grew 3.4% this holiday season from last year. That's not as good as last year's 5.1%. Well, don't let that fool you, though, because the economy is on a 10-year rise. But all, it's, all the gains are going to the top. We know that. And it doesn't matter. They'll still keep harping the great economy because they want you to say, they want you to think that if you're not feeling this great economy, that's your fault. It's not the system that's broke. It's you. It's like prosperity religion, the prosperity Jesus revival, that it's not, you know, Jesus wants you to be rich. If you're not rich, it's because you're not praying hard enough. You're not using the secret. You're not visualizing yourself in that sports car. You're not visualizing. I mean, I'd like to visualize myself just goddamn retiring. That would be nice. <sighs> that's not as good as last year's for uh, 5.1%. Well, that, that's the thing. Trump is riding this, the economy that, that the DLC Democratic Obama put back in place. I mean, he, he did, he's a very good Republican, Obama. He was a good Republican president like an Eisenhower-type Republican. But the, 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 the working class didn't feel the gains, as we know. So, But the, the corporations are doing great. They're still doing great. But even though the economy has, has flattened out and it's not gotten any better for those who have to work for a living. So... But that doesn't matter. He'll just keep touting the great economy, and you'll have the corporate media will continue to harp on it, and they'll talk about how great it is, and so will the Democratic candidates like Pete Buttigieg and, and Joe Biden. They'll talk about how great the economy is. Well, actually, I'm not, that's not 100%. Uh, now that I remember, now that I say that, I do remember in the debate... One thing I was happy to hear from Joe Biden was that he did push back on uh, when they said that uh, something about the great economy. One of the questions was about the great economy, and Joe Biden pushed back, which I need to give him credit for that, saying if you're not, if you're a worker, if you're unable to retire. I'm not, I can't remember how he put it, but he did push back on that, which was, which was a hopeful sign. That still doesn't change my opinion that he he's not the best candidate to beat Twitler, but I have to say I have to give him that. So, okay, after all, this is now the longest economic expansion in U.S. history for the top, okay, for the rich, not for the working class. The working poor. We don't have a middle class. We have a smaller middle class that, and a very large pool of working poor. It's, uh, the, the working class is stretched to the limit. And we, we, we saw that firsthand when Twitler 
shut down the government last year during the holidays. Paycheck to paycheck. The majority of the American people live paycheck to paycheck. That's not a great economy. So, and we need to not, we need to not prop up these Republican fascists. So here, it's not just the strong retail sales. This is this woman again. She's a libertarian, apparently. You know, she believes in fantasies. She's a libertarian, she's fantastical. She thinks that um, all, I don't know, I don't even know. What is libertarian? What is a libertarian? It's somebody, you you might as well discuss the whether King Joffrey deserves the Iron Throne. It's the same thing as discussing libertarianism. It's a fantastical construction based on nothing that somebody made up. There's no actual historical examples, but at least Game of Thrones is somewhat entertaining. Libertarianism is just a bullshit ideology invented by selfish adolescents who never developed into believing or whatever, knowing that the world doesn't evolve or revolve around them. That's what libertarianism is. It's it's a waste of air. Libertarian. And a woman. A woman libertarian. That's it's also a libertarian is someone it was I noticed a lot of libertarian or a lot of people saying they were libertarian at, during the Bush years. It, they, they began to be a, a classification of embarrassed Republicans that would say they didn't like saying that they're Republicans because Bush was such a disaster. I'm sure, and now with Twitler, they'll say they're libertarians. What the hell is a libertarian? This is why I'm looking this up. Libertarian. Why do we even give it a, a even a, a legitimacy by discussing it? Any, any, anytime you watch the corporate media, you'll have a whatever a roundtable of pundits, and here's libertarian Megan McArdle. And why don't they say to her, "What the fuck is a libertarian? What are you talking about?" libertarian i mean it's you're full of shit that's what a libertarian what is a libertarian what let me just look this up i'm i mean i know what a libertarian is but it's someone they don't want to pay taxes they don't believe in government they don't believe in society they believe it's just it's bullshit Let's see. Libertarians seek to maximize political freedom and autonomy by emphasizing freedom of choice, voluntary association, and individual judgment. Libertarians share a skepticism of authority and state power, but they diverge on the scope of their opposition to existing economic and political systems. I mean, it's just, let's just masturbate. Let's all just have a circle jerk. Of li- and talk about libertarianism. It doesn't exist. It never existed. It's not a real ideology. The, it, no, no single... Ev- there was ne- there's never been a system of government run with libertarian ideology in the entire history of 
recorded uh, of human whatever. You know what I mean? In, in the entire 10,000 years of recorded history. Except when they've tried. They've tried to make libertarian societies. What's going on with Liberland? Let's see if Liberland is still still exists. The Free Republic of Liberland. Free. Liberland and appoints a new minister of finance. Why don't they all go to Liberland? That's the other thing. Why doesn't Megan McArdle go to Liberland? If you like libertarianism, there's there's Liberland for you. They're trying it. Liberland, a, the micronation formed in April 2015, has announced the appointment of Ali, our, our Ali Kassab, incoming Minister of Finance. The event, the event took place in Liberland Representative Office in Prague during Christmas. Let's see. This is uh, from an article in the Irish Tech News by Gillian Godsell. Ali will take over from Jan Perkbeck, who has held this position since the foundation of the state. Jan will now head up the Liberland Chamber of Commerce project. Ali was awarded the CEO of the year in 2018 by Smart SMB in Dubai. He is a self-made businessman. Well, there you go. A serial entrepreneur, secretary general of the newly launched global blockchain organization and chairman of Centurion Company. Ali has 20 plus years of experience. Jesus Christ, fucking Siri just went off. Um, digital payment and blockchain com based companies in the region. His expertise lies in building and nurturing entrepreneurship, ecosystems, whatever, who cares? Speaking of his appointment, President Vit Yeklik whatever, said, we are delighted to welcome the highly accomplished global tech entrepreneur Ali Kassab to the, well, it doesn't say anything. What the fuck is going on with Liberland? Okay, whatever happened to Liberland? Here we go. This is April 9th, 2019. Liberland's earthly domain is a constellation of locations and events that gravitate around an unoccupied gourd Gornja Sigga. I don't know what that said. Oh, Jesus Christ. The self-declared libertarian micronation of Liberland has vanished somewhat from the media spotlight since its founder and current president, Vit Yeklik, planted the Utopia's state flag on Gor Gornja Sigga an unoccupied Danube island between Serbia and Croatia in 2015. Liberland instantly found an early vocal supporter in Patrick Schumacher, director of Zaha Hadid Architects and an outspoken e evangelist for the free market. Fuck you. Well, I, I put that in there. But what has really been happening since then? Hans Larsen's recent volume piece... <clears throat> excuse me, brings us up to speed and talks about Schumacher's juried Liberland master plan design competition, decentralized autonomous blockchain governments, and neo-metabolist-inspired off-grid floating settlement. I mean, fuck you. Oh, my God. That's why it sucks. 
You gotta have, uh, it's all this bullshit. Off-grid floating settlements. When seen from the right angle, the elements coalesce into an image of a new country being born. Larson writes, shift your position slightly and you see a banal hoax. Yeah, pretty much. But if enough people buy into it, does it even matter? Yeah, it's sort of like the Heaven's Gate cult. If they believe that the Halley's Comet is is, going to take them to their special place in space, then and all you got to do is commit suicide to get there, then... Or, no, not Haley's. It was Halebop. Liberland. It's... These are people that have a lot of money to do whatever the fuck they want. They don't want to be part of society. They want to play around with bullshit. So, get, get... I'm glad. I'm glad that for them that at least they put their money where their mouth is. They, they don't bother us. They don't pester us with their bullshit. Just get out. Do it. Go to Liberland. That's what I, I wish the rest of them would do. If they don't, they don't like civilization. They don't want to be a member of civilization. They don't want all the pesky responsibilities that civilized human beings have to each other in a civilization. You know, in civilization, that's what happens. Like on September 11th, civilization, right? The only, when we get attacked civilization not not everybody who who got attacked it wasn't they they weren't directly affected by the attack of course we're all affected but they didn't have direct uh friends or family who were affected by the attack right but we move heaven and earth to go attack a country that never attacked us but that's what's isn't that what civilization is we're in it together if one of us is attacked we're all attacked you would think that something like people not being able to have health care, someone, if we're all, uh, if somebody's on GoFundMe trying to get diabetes medicine, we're all affected by that. But, you know, not in Liberland, though. In Liberland, you should not, just don't give a shit about anybody else. Good. I'm glad they're all, they're all together. They can all be together not giving a shit about anybody else. Good. Go take your own garbage out. If you want to open up your tap and take a drink, go test your own water. Make sure there's no parasites in it. Don't rely on civilization to do that. Other people. You want to test your food? Well, I mean, here in the United States, you're you're shit out of luck there now. If you want to eat... If you want to eat pork, you're going to be eating some toenails and sex organs. But um, that that's that's just free market. I mean, that's more the food supply of a Liberland than you would think of a civilized United States. But what do I know? <sighs> anyway, Liberland. That's why when somebody, this woman, she writes for the Atlantic... She's a she's a libertarian. Why is that? That should be a they should just laugh. What are you talking about, a libertarian? We're gonna take her seriously now. She's she might as well just say, um, I'm a I'm full of shit. I'm attached to fantasy and I'm I'm a, I'm just too selfish. I want to wrap my selfishness around the veneer of legitimacy by calling myself a libertarian. 
It sounds better than just saying selfish piece of shit. I'm a selfish prick. No, no, no. That's that sounds better when you say libertarian. Libertarian. I, I I'm exhausted from it. <clears throat> yes. So yeah, great economy though. Megan, that's the greatest gift. It's the gift of the Magi. It's a, such a great economy, but we still can't handle a $400 emergency. Can you cover a $400 unexpected expense? This is from CNN Money. Four in ten Americans can't, according to, according to a new report by the Federal Reserve Board. But, uh, but now, of course... This this statistic is getting out there. A lot of people are bringing it up. And, of course, you have the right-wing fascists all over corporate media. Oh, that's not true. It's not true. It's really... I mean, it's not true. Then I don't know where they live, but they it's not true behind the walls of their gated communities, I'm sure. That's why this is the United States of serfs and lords. And we should all be alarmed at these statistics that the 40% of the American people can't handle a $400 emergency? That's a disgrace. That affects us all. That means someone can't, they, they're not buying things in the economy. If we have such a great economy, they're not in your local markets buy, or they don't have dispen- disposable income. They, they're buying coffee, buying whatever the hell. Just making the world go round. But that's the American way now. That's the new middle class, you see. When 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 Twitter shuts down the economy, or that shuts down the government, and we hear how all these people, how they're at the food bank, and you know how quickly we forget. Because next thing you know, when they when the economy go they sh- they turn the economy back on or not the economy they turn they give they they open the government again and how quickly we forget then it's all back to what a great economy this is great economy great economy it's like you might as well they might they they should really have a one of those watches those pocket watches you are getting sleepy it's a great economy I don't see it a great economy. When you have one-third cannot retire, how great is that? That should that, This is why we talk about it all the time, because it has to get out there. It has to be countered with the constant, the, the constant hitting of these, these Republican talking points. Great economy, great economy. Yeah. Oh, here it is. This is when the government was shut down. Stretch thin. Yeah. Is the from the from U.S. News. Paycheck to paycheck is a phrase that conjures up an image of people in unusual and often temporary circumstances. The single parent trying to keep the rent paid and kids watched and fed with a job that offers flexibility but not necessarily a good salary. The person without a college or even high school education relegated to a minimum wage job, the family in which one parent has been laid off. In fact, living paycheck to paycheck, meaning there's no cash 
or or there's no ca- a, there's no cash cushion to cover bills if the income stops for a while is a common condition in America in the 12th richest nation in the world per capita nearly 8 and 10 all right let this sink in us workers live paycheck to paycheck i will repeat that in the 12th richest nation in the world per by per capita gdp nearly 8 in 10 us workers live paycheck to paycheck according to a 2017 study by career builder the human capital management firm and the trend crosses over income groups more than half of minimum wage workers said they need to hold down two jobs to make ends meet while one in 10 workers earning $100,000 or more yearly say they live paycheck to paycheck. And if there's an emergency, a large number of Americans don't have an accessible stash of money to cover a substantial health expense or car repair, studies show. The Federal Reserve Board in 2017 found that 44% of American households surveyed could not cover a $400 emergency expense. A separate bank rate study last year yielded similar results, finding that while 34% of those surveyed had experienced a major unexpected expense in the previous year, just 39% of those surveyed said they could could tap $1,000 from savings to cover it. It's not just people who are low-wage earners. People who are making what most of us would consider a decent salary are living this way says Cameron Huddleston, life and money columnist for Go Banking Rates, a personal finance website. Some people are living beyond their means, while others are struggling to keep up with exorbitant, 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 you know what I'm saying, housing and health care costs, she says. It stretches you thin. Even if you do have a decent salary, it's hard to get by and build that reserve of emergency cash. Well, how can you? If even if you're making a decent living, you're in those subsidies, right? You get no subsidies. It's like that. What a friend of mine was saying. He makes a decent living. Okay, I'm using him and arguing by anecdote. Okay, but to prove a point, we all know people like this. A friend of mine who makes a decent salary. Yeah, he he works for himself, but he's not low enough to get any subsidies on the ACA exchange. So he works for himself, so he he luckily can buy health care now, thanks to the ACA. You can't be blocked from buying it, but give Republicans time. They're working on it. They are in court now trying to make sure that we go back to the bad old days that made any reform necessary. They They want the insurance companies to be able to kick you off if you get sick. They want them to be able to deny you care. This is the way it was, and it's getting there again. So anyway, but he makes too much to get a subsidy, so he has to pay the full freight of the uh, health insurance on the exchange, which is not cheap. You're talking, and I know, because I had to pay that too. And you're talking about I mean, for health insurance, you to pay the full freight for a shitty plan, you're without subsidies. You're talking thousand a thousand dollars, 
a month. I pay more than my mortgage for health insurance. And these are high deductible bullshit plans that suck. So, and so I remember him saying, I have to pay more because I got to pay for everybody else. This is what he said. I got to pay for the poor people too. With a, with an, uh, the way he said it with, uh, an animosity towards the poor. And that's what the Republicans want. And this is why Medicare for all who want it or this bullshit oh, um, insurance racket that we have, that supposedly everybody loves so much, according to Willie Geis. We all love the insurance racket that uh, they don't want to lose it. This is why we need Medicare for all because it unifies the American people. It doesn't separate us into subsidies where you have somebody who's higher on the ladder looking down and being resentful to people lower on the ladder. And it happens all the time where you have those who are, who are making a middle-class salary. They're in the middle class, but they're not getting anything. They're not getting a subsidy. Well, that's, that's why FDR made Social Security belong to everyone. And public schools belong to everyone because you don't, it, it belongs to us all, so no damn politician can scrap it, as FDR said. And, you know, not just about public schools, but you know what I'm saying. It has to belong to us all. So, they, and that's why I can't stand these, the fake Democrats, the DLCers talking about how, and the Republicans talk about it too, but they don't give a shit. But they talk about how divided we are. It's such a divided nation. Then stop dividing us. Stop putting us into subsidies. And it's like Liberland. If you, if a, a country, it's it's simple. It works if it works. What's it wor- What works is everybody in, nobody out. And you gotta make. Uh, I mean, what did Liberland say? Blockchain and and uh, self rule. I don't know what the hell. Whatever I just read from Liberland with how he described it. All this complexity. There's nothing, it's, it's simple. Everybody in, nobody out. So don't cry. I can't stand these Republicans and these DLCers whining about how divided this country is while they continue to divide us. We know Republicans want to keep dividing us because that's how they win. They don't win in a country that's that's united. In fact, they, what's winning to them? This is winning. They like they like it like this. They like it that we that the that the working class is so malleable that we that we will take their shit and call it a five course banquet. Oh, please trickle on us. Maybe one day we'll be a billionaire too if I if I keep driving my Uber. And I win the lottery, I guess. Maybe. That's what they used to do in ancient Rome. They would have lotteries. Every, you keep the, pe- the plebs happy. You might win. You might win something. The emperor might trickle on you. But, you know, that doesn't make a functioning democracy. But that's how you, this is what we need. We need to understand that everybody in, nobody out, that is the only American way. 
And that's why we don't have stupid Medicare for all who want it. So you can have your private insurance. If you like your private insurance, you can keep it. Who the fuck likes your private insurance? Are you that dumb? Are you that beaten down? How much do you hate yourself? I mean, really, come on. Have some dignity. Wouldn't you like to go to a doctor when you're sick and and not have to worry about it? It's not about um, not being able to go to a doctor. That's the way it is now. With the insurance company, maybe he's not in network, out of network, copay, coinsurance. But anyway, that's the point. It's the same thing like with uh, my sister and the, the kids, my, my nieces and nephews, complaining about subsidies, how, oh, they get everything handed. But because they, her and her husband, well, her soon-to-be ex-husband, because he's a Republican and he cheated on her, so now they're getting divorced. And but so when the kids were in college, they're they all come out of college with a lot of debt. But my sister is was complaining about how they don't get any help because they made too much money as a couple. And so, oh, well, the everybody else, the immigrants get everything handed to them and the the dreamers get everything handed to them and the poor people. So. That's how they divide us. And I see that. She's not, you know, I pointed out to her. Do you see what they do? This is how they have you resenting someone a little bit lower on the ladder. But she doesn't see it. And this is what happens. And into that resentment can step a twiddler. Oh, I like my insurance. Good. Well, um, I'm sorry, honey. We all have to be in this together. You like your insurance. I'm sure you like your Social Security, too. You wouldn't want anybody to take that away from you. This is how we move forward together. We have a, we have a system that doesn't leave anyone behind. This is how we unify the country. We unify it by unifying it. Stop breaking people up. You get, you don't get this. You don't, I mean, how does this, uh, if, if we had a public school system where you're like, oh, no, no, you can't have that. Only the poor can have it. That would, how, how long would it be until that system was completely dismantled? It's bad enough the way it is, the way they set it up without, f- with, uh, funded through property taxes, which is bullshit. And that's the way it was funded to keep poor to keep uh, black people in their place so to speak but we know that it was a it's a racist ass system it needs to be everybody in nobody out funded by the general fund there are certain things we we can do it we can we're not the only stupid country i mean every other country they have as many stupid people it's not that we have a market on stupid people but we certainly have a lot of stupid people in charge. And a lot of stupid people that are, they fall for it every time. And honestly, that's why we need the liberal media. Shows like this, I'm not just touting my own show, Mike Malloy, Bob Kincaid, the real liberal media. To talk about this, you're not going to, what are you going to hear? On on the corporate media, 
Let's see. What, what will you hear? You're you going to hear that. One of the hallmarks of the Democratic Party uh, should be our seriousness. And we need to make sure that everything we propose makes sense. Uh, if uh, you're just counting on immigration reform for a trillion dollars worth mm -hmm. of the uh, uh, the, the funding for uh, a hallmark plan, it, it raises some concerns about how achievable it is. But the thing to me is, major health care reform really is achievable if Shut we set it up. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. You see what I'm saying? That's what you're going to get. You're going to get this. What I'm Chilly, but wait, wait. Uh, Democratic presidential candidate, Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana. Great to have you on the show. That's again. what you're going to get. <laughs> yes. And thank you, Marco Rubio, for helping destroy the ACA with the risk corridor payments. Yes. Jay on the on the chat. But yeah, it takes a village to destroy a perfectly decent country. You can't just do it from the right. It has to come from the so-called left, too. You have some wolves in sheep's clothing. The Democrats coming in. There's nothing more of uh, more painful than a Democrat, uh, you know, the betrayal of a Democrat by a Democrat. That's what I'm trying to say. Because that's, it's sort of like, when Bill Clinton signed "Don't Ask, Don't Tell," or when it's you expect it from Republicans, but you really it really hurts when the Democrats do it. When the Democrats enable the the continuation of the entrenchment of oligarchy, and I'm sorry with the circular firing. So yes, every Democrat is better than every Republican. That's because they believe in. Um, climate change, right? They believe in certain things. They're not going to be as repugnant, disgusting. They're, and I will vote for every Democrat. And Democrats will win when they, when they fight for Democratic values, not when they act like Republicans. So this isn't about tearing down the Democratic Party. This is about making the Democratic Party live up to its Democratic Party roots, that built the working class, the middle class. And we can rebuild it. We can. If we stick together, it's not just propping up like an Amy Klobuchar. It's like saying, Amy Klobuchar, that may work in your state, but the, we don't need your right-wing DLC policies inflicted on the entire nation. We have enough of them. We're in the boat we're in because of right-wing policies. We don't need any more. How much more do, do they want? They already pay zero taxes. They already get subsidies. How much more? What, where we're going is oligarchy for good. They undid the estate tax. They have this kiss-up, kick-down, Twitler tax giveaways that are worse, that we pay more, working people pay more. I mean, come on, how much more right can you be? You're going to reach across the aisle to do what? You want to give them more? They don't have enough. They're not rich enough. Give me a break. They're not rich enough. They don't have, how much more do they need? Can't they share a little bit? And now that's why Republicans hate government because the government is the only thing strong enough to stand up to the power of oligarchy. We don't need any more right-wingers, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg. 
please, too far left. We, we just want to get out of the hole that we're in. It's not that far left. We're talking about FDR policies. All right. It's time to go. I appreciate you guys for all that you do and for the Super Chats. Thank you, Jim. Like I always say, we stick together. We win. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I will do a show during the week. I'm not sure what day. As we know, we play it by year. So thank you for being flexible. Until we get enough patrons to do a daily show, we'll just have to play it by year. I know we're in it together. I'm not alone. We're not alone. We will win. We're on the right side of history. We're on the right side of humanity. My name is Tara Devlin. I will see you very soon.